Jeans and a Nice Top, a crash course in modern dating with Ash and Mel. Hi Mel. Hey Ash. And a big hi to our very special guest, Maggie Zhao. She is a young writer in Australia. You would have seen her byline on places like l.com.au, Broadsheet, MTV. And she's, you also might know her from Instagram. She's pretty cool on there. Stop it. <laughs> cool on Instagram. <laughs> but she also has her own podcast, which you may also listen to. And if you don't, you really should. And it's called Culture Club. Um, how are you, Maggie? I'm going so well. Thank you for having me on. I'm very excited. Also a listener of this podcast. So oh. it's going to be weird <laughs> listening to myself back later on. But Will you I'll listen manage. to your own episode? Oh, God, that I don't know question. if I will, to be honest. So <laughs> I went through a period where I was always listening to like episodes of my own podcast, mm. like in the car on road trips with people. And they'd be like, with do we me. need to do this? Yeah, yeah she'd be like... <laughs> I, I, this is weird, but I, I just want to listen to my podcast. And I'm like, I, <laughs> so I get it. You're like, um, this is really not fun. Um, but yes, um, so good to have you. We were just talking about how Maggie's in like a hoodie and wearing T-shirts because mm-hmm. Maggie is in Melbourne. It's freezing here. It actually is cold here. We just don't feel the cold. We are strange. Yes, <laughs> indeed we are. So- we were actually talking shit actually about Ash the other day. Um to our boyfriends about how this time where Ash came with me to the Northern Territory. I feel like we've told this story on the podcast before. And she, it was like 40 degrees, honestly, and um, like 100% humidity, like crazy pre-wet season weather in Darwin. And Ash is like, I think I want to just go for like a sunbake. And I was like, what? Oh my God. I was there for like, two minutes and ash was out there honestly for like two hours no. having the best time like a lizard it, so. my skin sadly <laughs> yes <laughs> that suffered but no i am terrible i am such a weak human being so if it's slightly cold slightly hot i'm just like suffering yes. <laughs> i need to be like 20 <laughs> to 25 degrees and i'm okay but anything other than that it's tragic yes i feel you <laughs> So, Maggie, we're so glad to have you on the podcast today. Can you tell us a bit about your dating history thus far? Mm. So what's dating look like for Maggie? Well, that's the thing. That's why um, I was equally as excited but nervous to come on this podcast because it's such a it's such a trope, I guess, of being a young person, of having lots of dates and having all these cool stories. Mm. And I am 22 years old. And I have, I feel embarrassed saying this, but I shouldn't because I've been in a long-term relationship for the past five and a half years. Mm. And that is a long time. So if you do the maths, I got into this relationship when I was 16 years old. So Mm -hmm. yes, we met in high school, which again, comes with its, um, I guess, cringeness a lot of the time. People are like, oh, okay, you're you're still with him. But I, I get that. I get why people think like that. Um, but, yes, he was my first boyfriend, first kiss, first sexual partner, everything. Mm. So I've only kissed one person, only been with one person. Yeah. I kind of love that, though. And I get that, though, because when I was with my first boyfriend, um, so I basically – I mean, it's a long story, but I I was in church for like Mm. 10 years. So Mm. my first, first boyfriend I didn't sleep with. And then my second boyfriend who I did sleep with, I remember feeling that pressure because I think 
because I'd come to sex at 26, so I was a lot older mm. than most of my friends, I felt this like pressure, like if I wasn't out there, like boning everybody and just like having all these different sexual partners, I wasn't like really learning or becoming mm. a part of myself. But then I feel like the older I've gotten, like, cause then I did actually have that period. And I don't feel like it was that educational. I think it was fine. Like it was, there were things that I learned from that period of my life, but I also learned things about myself and about, you know, my body and also just developing my own life while I was in the relationship. But it's interesting though, because we do put so much pressure on young people, like on young women in their twenties to be having this fully intense exploratory period of every facet of your life. Like you have to go traveling, you have to be sleeping around and, and experimenting sexually. You have to do this and that. And so I totally understand that you would feel like that pressure, you know? Mm. Do you feel like it comes more from, do, do you feel this pressure from friends or just from society or is it just inside yourself, do you think? Definitely oh, society, I want to say mm. vaguely, um, as well as just what we're being grown up thinking and the media we've consumed and every movie you know every coming of age movie the protagonist goes through this you know love interest period where they will be dating around or they'll be you know out with girlfriends out in town all these seemingly just like traditional parts that you should be taking in your early 20s that was just something I'd grown up thinking oh yeah when I get to that age that's what I'll be doing mm. for sure um and it's almost something that you don't really question. It's just something that you feel like you have to do or that's what's standard. Um, but if you do break that down, that might not be the case. Like not everyone has to have this crazy like sleeping around period and it doesn't make you less of a person. I feel like, mm. to be honest, it makes me feel like I have kind of failed as a young 20-something I know because it's I mean it's hard we have so many expectations on us it's the time where we're maybe starting our careers or building friendships building relationships maybe still I still live at home so I'm you know working on my family relationship and there's just so much and you can't do everything and it's that's such a thing I think as well because I lived at home until I was 25 And I remember even that was, there was pressure on that. It's like, why are we putting so much pressure on people to live this certain, it's almost like we've made a cookie cutter life that's like edgy, like the edgy cookie cutter life, you know, like before it was like the cookie cutter life was you met your partner. You were literally living the cookie cutter life of the 1950s, which was that you meet your partner and then you stay with that partner. And that's, that's how life works for women Mm. but I feel like the like you know 2020 cookie cutter life is that you know you are experimenting constantly and that your life is constantly in a state of flux and that is not the case for everybody and it's interesting that we've kind of just replaced one Mm. sort of stereotypical life experience with another Do you ever feel like you're missing out Maggie because that's probably a question that a lot of people are listening to this podcast thinking do, do you feel that way? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I'm very lucky because my partner, Tom, um, obviously we're close. <laughs> You'd hope so after <laughs> this time. Uh, but we openly talk about this a lot like because yeah. it's reciprocated. It's almost the same with him. He had like a couple girlfriends before me. But um, 
For sure. And I think my main thing in a relationship and something that I always ask myself is whether we're both still growing together and letting ourselves Mm -hmm. grow separately. And I never want to be in that state where we're holding each other back, I guess. And we've, I guess, run our course. So I'm always conscious of that. And that is something I talk about because yeah, I do think these sexual experiences are important. Like I've never really been on a date with someone I didn't know. or I've never had that experience. Mm. And I mm. do think um, it is a great learning curve still, you know, you, it's a new experience that a lot of like I haven't done that, you know, I, I hear other people have all these stories and it's just so intriguing. It's like that silly, um, like that stereotype of that one, like long-term friend and your fr- and your other single friends have Tinder. You just like grab their phone and be like, oh my God, like which way do I swipe again? And it's, I get so excited by that. Um, but yeah, just to answer your question properly, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I do think about it. We've talked about, oh, potentially, you know, there's a possibility that one day we might go on a break or we might explore something like in that realm. I don't think I'm ready for that yet, but it's always good to have that conversation and that open door just, just in case and just to keep each other in the loop. Yeah. I feel like that's such a key. I mean, like, you know, fuck, everyone goes on about communication in all relationships, but I think particularly when you are going through, like, I still feel like your twenties is quite a, big period of change like you go from school to uni or you go from school to work or you go on a gap year or whatever the fuck you're doing with your life there's a lot of like big transitions so I think that that checking in factor must be super important to make sure that you're still both like happy with what's going on and like you feel both really fulfilled from the relationship Mm, yeah and I think just to throw another thing out there as well. I <laughs> love that. Um, I'm also figuring out like my sexuality and mm. who I'm interested in. And that's been, um, I guess, tougher when I've been in, because I am in a relationship and I obviously love my partner, but it's interesting um, trying to grapple with that side of myself. And mm. honestly, like I have no answers. I don't know. I'm just fumbling around at the moment but that's been tricky too. That's so interesting because I have had friends who have predominantly had male sexual partners and haven't actually had a Mm. female sexual partner, but very much feel that they identify as queer or as Mm. bisexual. And it's like, again, like why does having the experience need to be a part of you deciding your sexuality? Like obviously, you know, it's great to experiment um, and to work it out physically, but I don't think it's necessarily a necessity, you know? And, and, and again, there's that kind of weird pressure that we have to physically experiment to know. And I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I think um, I, oh God, I don't even know what I label myself. So I kind of just steer Mm. clear of that. But I think a lot of us do have that internalized, let's say, biphobia where we don't think we're queer enough to take up space in these conversations or Mm. if our feelings are even valid. Um, And I did have a few conversations with some other queer people that just really validated this sense of the unknown, but more so, I guess, um, yeah, not having to physically do an act to be a certain Mm. label like that is so silly you wouldn't be like to a 10 year old who thinks 
they're straight, let's say, and be like, no, you must kiss this person to prove it. Like, that's oh gross. <laughs> yeah, let's not go there. Imagine if we did. That's so intense. Exactly, yeah, right? that's so true. Mm. And yeah. are, there, are there things, Maggie, that you have sort of planned together or are you still very much so just planning your own life? You know, oftentimes now at 31 I'll say things to my boyfriend Clatch like oh you know one day we'll do this like you start planning the future Mm. do you guys plan your own futures or together oh good question um bit of both to be honest um because we are so comfortable together and we have essentially grown up together um in a weird way I think it is natural to have kind of those questions of like oh like even the shorter term, like, oh, let's like, let's one day travel here or like the potential of like children will just be thrown around, but more in a, not, not in a serious way. I just mm. kind of get scared of that. Um, but to be honest, I've made a conscious effort to want to have those life experiences by myself, which is quite interesting because it kind of goes what to it. It kind of goes back to what we were saying before about those like markers of being a 20 something. So for instance, I, uh, the two times I've traveled overseas, I did it with friends and Mm. I'm planning on moving out next year. And I specifically wanted to move out with friends first. Yeah. So it's these things that I'm kind of putting these, I guess, almost hurdles in place because I hate being serious about my relationship. I always just joke about it. It sounds gross, but I do see like, a future with him and yeah. if that is the end goal what's a couple like what's a few more years what's a few more like holiday, holidays with friends or moving out with friends I still want to nurture that side of me but mm. yeah I do still think about our future but oh it just sounds like cringe because I can imagine listeners perhaps you guys just being like that is so naive like I totally get no. it I don't, well, no. I don't know it's like okay. no because I don't because I know yeah, so many know. friends now who did I have a friend who met her partner when she was 14 and they mm. got married and had kids like they've just only been with each other I think the older you get what actually happens is that you realize there are so many different ways to walk in this world and that these kind of like hard and fast, you must experience this, you must experience that becomes such bullshit. Like, honestly, I have had the weirdest, I had the weirdest fucking 20s. Like Mm. I didn't have my 20s until I was mid 20s, you know? And um, I just think that, yeah, it's made, like, I I, I know, know, Ash, you would probably agree with me here, but like, it, it just... You just actually become, I think, more open-minded the older you get, if anything, if you're trying to, I guess. Some, some people don't, but, you <laughs> yeah. know, you, like, like because you you have your own weird experiences where you're like, I never thought, like, I never thought I would be 35 and not have kids yet. Mm. But then the older I got, the less it felt like the right time for me. Um so there's so many factors, I think, that play into it. Um, but I had a question for you, which was how do you – like? and I, I suppose you kind of answered it a little bit, but do you talk about this stuff like in the sense of, okay, so you are getting your experiences, like you're very much like protecting your own individ- independent experiences apart from Tom. Mm. Do you, Does he – do you ever have battles where it's like did he want to move in together when you moved out and then you were like not – how do you navigate – those times where like you have to make a decision 
for yourself, mm. but you're also in this long-term relationship where or naturally you start to do things together. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And I think because we both are quite young, neither of us have full-time jobs. We still live at home. We haven't encountered these massive life decisions yet. We've had mm. conversations. It's like, well, what if like one of us gets a job in Sydney or something? Mm. Um, or what if one person does a year abroad? He actually did a whole year abroad a few years ago. So we did a year long distance as mm. well. But like, what if we have to do that again? And those, I don't have an answer for that either because, yeah. <laughs> because um, it is tricky. It It is really hard to choose what to value or what to prioritize. That's probably the better word there. Um, yeah, I guess we haven't encountered that much of that so far. I would also say because we have, you know, kind of grown together, a lot of our values are really aligned. So when I talk about wanting to like nurture myself and do all these things, he's completely understanding. I haven't, Mm. like, we've never really had any pushback in terms of that. It's like, yeah, you want to go to like, um the US for a month with your friend that sounds awesome like blah 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 it's never been um too too much of a big deal I would say yeah and you've also had years of fostering this trust right because Mm. I would sort of there'd be alarm bells going if you'd said Mm. oh I'm going to you know go to the US go to the states with some girlfriends for three weeks and he blew up you'd be like what's going on here you know Mm, you'd want your partner to trust you to have these experiences and to do stuff solo because I always think like at the end of the day if your partner leaves you you still need to be okay there's been so many instances where you see friends just fall apart they've got nothing financially Mm. ruined and emotionally stunted and that's I guess the thing is now we're learning more and more to grow as our, you know, own person. Yeah. In the past year, a big priority of mine was actually working on my friendships. I just yeah. feel sometimes I'm not the best friend. Just just to put it out there, it's like I'm kind of slack with following up with messages or organizing catch-ups. So it just falls to the wayside. And it's something that I'm consciously working at because I see some of my friends who really do put in that effort with friendships, which is just so important. And you can see like the benefits and the returns, I guess, that they receive from that. And that is definitely something I don't want to miss out on. And it's definitely something I'm trying to work on. And even, even regardless of me being in a romantic relationship, I just think it's something I just haven't paid enough attention to. And have you found that, like, do you find that as your friends, like, you know, when you have friends that are living like a bit of a, like quite a different lifestyle to mm. you, if they're single and they're dating and stuff, do you, is, does that become a rift or is that just something that you can sort of mend in a way? It's an interesting one because um, I have very nice, very supportive friends um, and they're always like, how are you and Tom? And if I know that they're potentially um, in a bit of a riff in their own relationship or having like a downer in their single life, I don't want to be like, everything's great. Everything's yeah. great. He's perfect. <laughs> I love it. Literally, him. right? It's just not productive and it just feels really like, Ugh. so a lot of the time I do kind of just skim over these conversations. I actually don't talk about my relationship that much, interestingly. Um, not that I'm hiding anything or whatever, but I'm just like, 
yeah don't don't know if I need that much like third party involvement right now (laughs) we were talking about this because like I was saying how when Ash started dating Clatch I like barely heard about him for ages because she was just happy and there was no problems and it was just like good she'd Mm. met this nice guy and she'd started seeing him and it was great and I feel like often when we're happy in a relationship or a dating experience, we're less likely to discuss it because we're not Mm. seeking that like input from our friends. It's interesting what you said though, Maggie, going back to that, uh, you know, being slack to catch up on messages and stuff. I think this is controversial, but arguably the onus is on the person in the relationship to put in the work with the friendships because Mm. I was single for so long and just always free. You could message me any minute of the Mm. day, any night of the week. And I'd be like, yeah, sure. I'll come over. Sure. I'll help you move house. I would love to walk Uh. your dog for you. Yes. I can come to Bali. Why not? And then when you get a boyfriend, (laughs) the roles kind of change and you're Mm. suddenly you have plans and you're hanging out with this person and friends noses get out of joint and they're kind of they're like hey you just oh you you'll have plans you'll be busy and the onus is kind of on you then to because Mm -hmm. people assume you have plans with your partner friends oftentimes yeah I love that distinction I think that is really right and oh I'm like questioning the way I've been acting because I'm like yeah right I need to do that more I need to pick up that slack Um, and it's good to be kind of called out on that by friends as well like I definitely appreciate that um I have found it quite interesting as well because I don't know if it's the circles I reside in but a lot of my friends you know same age as me um are single like don't date around or like like haven't had like their first kiss and this is Mm -hmm. quite like a normal thing I've seen in my circles Mm -hmm. it's not just an anomaly anymore um and I've had discussions with a few of them and they're like I just wish people would stop asking about my dating life. Like this is actually not what I'm interested in at the moment. And I feel like, again, there's that pressure to do that. If Even if they don't want to do this, it's like, oh, what's wrong? Oh, 100%. This, I mean, I feel like this has come up heaps this season now. Mm. Every episode I feel like we end up at this point where we're talking about like this, this concept that is being like kind of, and I wouldn't say it's being pushed. It's more that the voices that are loudest at the moment are people that are, you know, it's Mm. all about like sexual empowerment, which is a good thing, right? But it's this, you know, female, I guess, empowerment to be experimenting and being like embracing kind of kinks and, um, you know, uh, I guess like, experimentation like I was kind of referring to it before is like we've reclaimed the concept of like the slut which is I think fantastic for many people and for me it was a thing like in my late 20s like I definitely found myself wanting to experiment and wanting to try things but at the same time if you're not doing that and that's Mm. the noise that you're hearing around you in society you can feel really on the outer and I guess again like it it, whether you're in a relationship or whether you're just single and that's not how what you're interested in doing or you're not feeling you're not comfortable Mm. um experimenting at that point in time like that's also fine and like why don't like I feel like we need some more voices in that space saying like 
it's also okay if you just want to have do missionary all the time yes. and that's all you want to do <laughs> that's okay too me and ash are like or or if you like if you want to just go to uni <laughs> literally if you just want to do like if you want to focus on uni yes, and you're like i'm not like out here like i've got this shit to do that isn't sitting mm. around like Oh, just drinking a house Chardonnay at some pub with some guy. I don't like, maybe I'm not into that. Like, mm, yeah, yeah, finding a partner is definitely uh, time consuming and some people want to use their time on other stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like the way that these conversations about female empowerment um, in terms of sexuality have been co-opted just sound, just feels so fake and contrived because it feels like those high school talks of like, like who have, who's given a, blow job yet like who's given a hand job yet it's the same thing it's yeah. still you know like pushing like people who are frigid or whatever yeah. um in boxes and it's it's still the same yuckiness and judginess and yeah. at the end of the day when we say that do whatever you want in the bedroom consensually that also imply that also applies to people who just like missionary or don't really like experimenting like that should be fine as well and I know you guys have talked about this so much but (laughs) I am so with you and I'm glad that these conversations (laughs) are happening because it's usually frowned upon it's uncool Um, yeah and I found myself even though I did enjoy experimenting Mm. to many some degree in my late 20s I still found myself doing things because I felt that I needed to tick them off. Mm. And it was this almost this idea of like this sexual bucket list of like, I need to try this position. I need to like, mm-hmm. like do that and do this and whatever. And like, I, I mean, I feel like, I don't know how I, I was like waiting for the moment that I would say this on the podcast and now it is happening. Here it is. I had a, <laughs> here it is. I had a threesome in my late twenties and it was so bad. It was <laughs> so bad. It was oh. not hot. Oh. It was like, it was so for me, I think it was such a, I had an anxiety that I hadn't had one, which is so fucking what? bizarre. What? I don't know. Even Ash doesn't know this story. Like yeah. I'd had this like deep, like anxiety, like, like, cause I'm an anxious person anyway. Mm. Like I have anxiety disorder and the mm. way that it plays out in my life is I'll fixate on something I haven't done or I haven't got. And I'm like, I am not living the life I should be living mm. if I haven't had a threesome apparently. <laughs> and so by the, when I actually did it, um, to go back to say like Flex's episode, mm. I was not critically thinking at all about why yeah, I was doing not. this thing. And if I had, I would have realized that I didn't want to do it at all. I actually mm. had no real sexual interest in it. I just wanted to tick the box saying I'd done it. And I wouldn't, it didn't give me any trauma or anything. Mm. It's just kind of, I think, more sad for myself in the past that I felt the need to do something that. I wasn't really that interested in just because I felt pressure like I needed to have that experience to fully have lived my 20s and Mm. my sexual freedom. And I think that, yeah, exactly, there is so much discourse around being like super experimental and really none about, but what if you're not really that interested? And I think there are so many more women that aren't being honest with themselves or aren't feeling comfortable to speak up to say I don't really want to do that and that's okay mm. too and I actually just really like inverted commas vanilla sex mm. like I love vanilla sex 
personally. That's my favorite thing. I've worked out. That's what I like to do. And that's cool too, you know, and, and it's, it's just kind of, you really should just be having good sex that is good sex for you and your partner or whoever the partner may be at the time and not sex that is based on what everyone else is doing. But it's so hard to get out of that mindset. Yeah, sorry, that was like a massive rant there, but (laughs) I just really need to get that off my chest, guys. The three, the threesome rant has occurred. <laughs> it's happened. I knew it was going to come out eventually. I feel like for so long, Ash and I were like, we're not talking about sex. And I feel like this entire season has really had a lot of sex combo in it. But That's I think so it's funny. important to be talking about. But I think coming back to like what your sort of situation is of being in a relationship and sort of being in those kind of parameters, like I, I'm assuming given the way you're talking that your relationship is monogamous. Yeah. Was that a decision that you made like consciously with Tom or was that just something that kind of you fell into from being together since a young age? Yeah, something that we just fell into. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm quite, yeah, like I am quite like an anxious person. I just do feel like throwing other people in the mix, Um, especially early on in the relationship. um, It just like never occurred. And as time has gone past, it's just been something that, I haven't had the energy to even think about, to be honest. It's like, uh, like another person, like, (laughs) oh, that's, that's a lot. But um, like I mentioned, I think at the beginning, it's not off the cards. Um, And I remember talking to Tom about this um, and he's like, lol I hope he's okay with me saying all this that's fine um like what we ask every episode we're like hope that our partners are fine with this I mean it's fine he he paints him in a good light like for instance um he's always been supportive of what I want and what I potentially might need so that time when um late last year when I started grappling with my like sexuality like I literally called him up and made him drive drive over to my house in the middle of the night and I was just crying in his car and he's like you know if there comes a time where you do want to explore this like let's chat about it. that that's like okay mm. like you know the doors aren't closed there um and same as just you know the potential of me dating or whatever that might happen again it's that interesting thing oh my god this is also embarrassing I've technically not been to a, like a proper club before <laughs> Oh, like, you're not missing much except for a fart smell on the dance floor, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> God. They all smell um, like fart. Fact. That's, are you right? serious? The fart thing is a phenomenon. I don't understand. But there's something about clubs where, like, there's always a person that just can't control their farts on the dance floor. <laughs> like, they're moving too fast or something. And there's just – don't you think there's, like, a – and because there's no air, like, there's no, there's no, like, real, like – ventilation in those rooms usually in basements or whatever and everyone's clumped together it's so anti-covid i can't even handle thinking <laughs> yeah about they're it over now, but... they're over <laughs> oh my anyway, god you're, not, you're missing nothing house parties are where it's at i feel mm, yeah that out. is so funny actually um and like for instance when i'm on a night out or something sometimes you know like i'll force myself to stay out till two or something but mm. i know if i left at 11 i would have had the same amount of fun and i was just in bed earlier and it's <laughs> It's, it's a bit I know it's a bit bad and I get a bad rap around, like around my friends like oh Maggie leaving early again <laughs> um but sometimes I've just got to know what my body needs and know what I want like I know I'll enjoy my time if I do this um yeah. but I don't know it just gets a bad rap and and stuff 
That was a tangent. <laughs> no, I get it. I know no, what we're because, talking about. But I almost feel like what it is is that you are looking critically at the why you do things yeah, just at right. a, a younger age than a lot of people do. Like I went through all of this too. I did exactly the same thing. I would stay out till like 4 a.m. just because I felt like I needed to stay out till 4 a.m. Mm. But really I wasn't having – and. And I'll be fair, sometimes I have stayed out till 4am and been genuinely having fun until 4am when I wanted to go home. But a lot of the time, it was very much about feeling like I'd done the thing that I was meant to do, even though the hours of midnight until four were just sitting with someone in my face being like, I love you so much. Oh my God, I love you so much. And then just like, drinking things I didn't even want to drink and like watching one person sort of shuffle half-heartedly around a dance floor. It was a very, you know. <laughs> Sounds like a time, Mel. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> Wish I was there. <laughs> um, I was going to ask something to do with, because obviously you have had, like, I feel like in the last year or so, you've just really started to like, your career has just shot up. And I sometimes feel like that is another element of massive change that can impact stuff. Mm. Do you feel, did it affect your relationship at all? Did it affect you in your relationship at all? Mm. Um, Yeah, it's been an interesting turn of events. Um, Only in the last year I've really started writing um, from lockdown and stuff. So that's been different I think I've always been a very like ambitious person so I'm always working a lot for Mm -hmm. instance so that doesn't that didn't really change our relationship and I am it's so funny because honestly I am so lucky that I've I'm dating Tom because I don't know what it would be like with other men when you hear those horrible like this horrible statistic that came out it was like um if a woman earns more than her male partner she is like she's more likely to be domestically abused like that is mm-hmm. terrifying and horrible and I am very lucky that Tom's a happy um trophy husband <laughs> he, <laughs> he's very happy receiving all the benefits of like free products or like yeah, yeah let's go to this restaurant <laughs> or whatever he yep. loves it and he um like eats it up I think he's Instagram bio reads like full-time Instagram husband or something um (laughs) like I love him so much it's so like he's so proud and every time I meet his friends they're always just like he talks so much about you like blah 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 blah. he's really supportive he's really supportive which is nice but I would also say because he is in a similar um field like looking for jobs in communications Mm -hmm. it gets tricky and I feel And I do, I personally, I always know he's going to be supportive, but when I'm most like yelling, like, I'm like, oh, I got this. And, you know, on his side, like he just got rejected from an interview or something like that. Yeah, it, right. It's hard. And I do want to make sure that we're both like championing each other's successes, even if they're on different scales, being there for each other's failures. Again, even if it's like dramatically different scales, I think that's so important. Um yeah he's a great cheerleader and he's a great supporter which I think is really nice to have um yeah and Maggie what advice would you just have for people if they were feeling like they're never going to get a partner and so maybe they've never had a boyfriend and they've just been dating like is it that good (laughs) do you have have any advice are you really having a good time do you have any advice for someone who might be like oh it must be nice to have a bloody boyfriend I'm never gonna Mm. get one Mm. 
well, first off, if they're around my age, let's say early 20s, mm. I would love to be single during this time, not even just for the dating. I would love this time to just build on myself. Like, Sorry, now I'm going to talk about my little sister. <laughs> like my sister who's about to turn 20, she broke up with her boyfriend and she's like starting uni on this cusp of life. And I'm like, I am so excited for you. Like, yeah. sorry for your loss of the relationship. <laughs> but he's just like, he's, a, he's alive, by the way. This guy he's is alive. He's still alive. He's not dead, okay. <laughs> not dead. Just ecstatic for her because I can just imagine the growth that's coming. And not yeah. saying that you can't have this inner relationship, for sure, that's something I work on. But I think it's easy to say because I am in a relationship. But what I would optimistically say is just turn that mindset around and just embrace it for what it is because yeah potentially in the future you will get a partner but like what is the rush I would love to be single (laughs) in my early 20s I say that to Tom all the time like we'll love it but unfortunately love you too much but um yeah and later on a partner is really great I love having you know someone that's always there a best friend a supporter someone that's growing with you but again just embrace like and just embrace the time for what it is I so feel like it's you know it's shit on either end and it's good on either end yeah I feel like this is about everything in life is that you know life whatever whatever situation you're in there's good and bad parts to it like I also was single for a really long time and now have a boyfriend after like, well, I mean, like I have had boyfriends on and off, but I've mainly been single Mm. and I was single for about a year and a half between my last boyfriend and this one, who is also called Tom. Um, But uh, what was I going to say? Yeah. Like I feel like it always happens this way where you're waiting and you're like, oh, I don't have a boyfriend and I really miss that. Whether mm. you haven't had it before, whether you have and you miss it, that companionship and mm. the the support because it is lovely to have somebody who is in your corner and like you can just bitch about everything too and really supports you um, and like also like is fun to hang out with all the time. Yeah. But um, it happens so quickly and like – fuck like we were even talking about it the other day we were like literally two months ago I didn't even know you and you lived mm. down the road from me and I've never met you in my life and now you're the person I see the most in a week and I think like it's like you go on that date with that person and that's gonna be kind of it like in some form so it's kind of almost like remiss to not embrace your single years where wherever they may be or yeah. even just periods of time that are your own um you know because the other stuff will be there like it'll just happen and then that will be your new kind of life scenario really yeah it's the best advice you can give really the grass is greener on both sides and (laughs) not that green on both sides there are positives (laughs) and minuses to every situation whether you're single attached or otherwise yeah it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast maggie thank you for having us it's been really great and don't feel like you're weird for being in a relationship in your early 20s because i definitely think as someone in my 30s that i you know that that whole thing about there being so many different paths you can take i think is like from (laughs) i don't think i'm really one to dish out wisdom but that's my wisdom (laughs) Oh, yeah. Maggie, where can our listeners find you? Um, they can find me on Instagram at weird handle, yeah, Mags, which is Y E M A G Z. Um, 
that's about it. All my links are <laughs> found there. But just Perfect. wanted to say a big thank you for having me on. So great to have like a little heart to heart this morning. So very much appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, awesome. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks, Maggie. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening, for listening guys. Bye. Bye.